Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective on the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have, of course, my guy. He is the host and creator of the Raw Sex Podcast. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Dominique Marks. Domo, of course, has all the hot stuff bubbling on his podcast with Raw Sex. You can check him out, usually releasing every Friday of a brand new episode. Very good topics these last few weeks including some very interesting guests and Damo's actually going to be participating in a new segment along with Uncle Dolomite and also Trill Spill with Will Monday Night Raw Instagram Live. So y'all make sure y'all definitely check that out. And y'all make sure y'all following Damo and the Raw Sex Podcast on Instagram or at Raw Sex Podcast and Twitter, Raw Sex Podcast 1. I'm guaranteed you will not be disappointed. So once again, a shout out to everybody out there stateside and worldwide for continuing to support the show we love the support and the messages got a message from a listener today saying that he picked up on the podcast while he was traveling through europe and actually started listening to our review for our sound bombing two episode Ooh, not too long bad. yeah and then he said he got he's been hooked ever since then so he gave us gave us some support so thank you again to all of you out there. And I'm hoping that you're out there. You're passing the word out to your friends and continuing to spread the word if you love the content. And there'll be more ways that you can support us in the future to make sure that this show keeps on going. So thank you all once again. As we like to say here in the vault, hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics and Damo. Well, today we're going to go the bit of the unconventional route because this next album that we're actually bringing up might be an album that some of us remember in the moment, but I think since then some of us may have forgotten about it. I could see how it's easy to do so because in the subgenre it was involved in, it was a very saturated genre during that particular time. But we're actually going to go back 20 years ago, and we're going to go back to July 27, 2001, and the debut album from Soul Quarian member, Philly-born, New York-based... Allow his firstborn second, his debut album on Interscope Records, recorded between 1999 and 2000, and recorded at the famous, the legendary, the iconic Electric Lady Studios in New York City at a runtime of 75 minutes and 55 seconds. So, this is a long album. The producers on this album include Bilal himself, who wrote many of the tracks on here, uh, Mike City. Aaron Kames, Megahertz, Dre and Vidal, Dr. Dre, Melman, James Poyser, Questlove, The Soul Quarians, Raphael Sadiq has a contribution on this as well, one of the lead singles, and of course, the late great James DeWitt Yancey, a.k.a. JD, a.k.a. J. Dilla, on this album. So a couple of singles on this, the first and most famous single, of course, is Soul Sister, which that was produced by Raphael Sadiq and Love It as well was another single on this album coming out not too long afterwards. 
Here we are, Damo, Firstborn, Second by Balao, something that many of our artists, audience, I'm not sure are too familiar with. You got to be an R&B lover yeah. to know this album for yeah. real. Yeah, you have to be, and I think, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and like we say, you know, all of them music, all of them, you might have known some of them, but they probably done fell off and didn't know about him like that, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you have to be an R&B and a neo-soul lover in particular. Mm -hmm. And as the phrase often comes out by people, you sort of had to be there. And if you were there and present in that moment, if you were, as we like to say, outside and was experiencing music, this sort of caught your periphery just a little bit. And if you were listening on the radio and then also if you were paying attention to music videos. Now, another single on this as well, along with Soul Sister and Love It, was also the Dr. Dre produced Fast Lane, which mm-hmm. uh, featured a remix with Jada yeah. Kiss and then also another remix with Dr. Dre as well. So um, that is a song that had an album that you saw on Rap City that you saw on the video mu- music shows at that time. And it was a album and a song really that really catches your your attention so um you kind of like you said had to be an r&b head had to be a neo soul head to get into this but nonetheless he ran in a very good circle that soul Quarian circle hanging with the roots with most deaf and quality with common with erica badu with jay dilla you know so he was hanging in good company of people who were you make a good music and he's just off of the cusp of actually being a part of that, those Soul Aquarian sessions that took place in 1999 and into 2000 that did D'Angelo's Voodoo, Mama's Gun by Erica's Badu, and Commons Like Water for Chocolate. So he was in a very good environment at that particular time. So we'll get into it, man. Bow Lau's first born second. So uh, we mentioned these things. Of course, now the title firstborn second came from the idea that Balao said that he was the firstborn prodigal son of the second generation of contemporary soul sirs, meaning that those artists who were associated with the neo-soul movement, interesting title, but we'll get into it though, man. So Damo, I, I get to go to you, just get your opinion on it. You know, like you said, you had to be an R&B lover sort of to get into and to know this album and to remember it. So Give us your recollections of Firstborn Second when it first came out. And then as you were listening to it this past week, what you what you remembered and then also what you think about it now after 20 years. First of all, it's beautiful, intelligent, lustful and living it. Yeah. <laughs> Allow. Yes, that's what his, his name is. A, is a acronym. Yes, that's what it stands and for. I actually go to this album at least once a year. Mm. at least once a year like I might have listened to this album before you said that. I probably listened to this album probably about three months ago mm. okay and some of it is because you know I'd be like I would say I know it was a classic but the thing of the funny thing about it, hearing him back then was the way he sung was different oh yeah compared to everybody that was out yeah so he had like that that falsetto but it was like the whole time mm-hmm so I'm like, hey, he's different. And then, but then crazy thing, he had that power to go real, real hard with it. Pause. Mm. And you be like, yo, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I remember all the singles, and all the singles were smashes for real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Soul Sister, 
that's on for kill even more now if it was out right now the way you know the mm-hmm. black woman movement is or it seemed like it's going a lot harder than it was then oh yeah definitely but, so that's also the general party a kill harder now mm-hmm. and then you know you look at it you think this Bama had some of the best if I'm thinking about R&B albums, he probably had the best lyricist features on his album. Mm-hmm. Oh, listening yeah. to it this week, when I was listening to it this week, <laughs> I said, how the hell this Bama got Jada yeah. coming on his own? Different songs, y'all. Mm-hmm. Coming, most of I said, yo, this Bama got the lyricists on this show. Yeah. And the Jones fit. Exactly. Yeah, they but do. But song, he's like, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Appearance on this by Marsha Ambrosius as well, man. This this was really even before we knew that Floetry was a thing. You know what I mean? Because we didn't really hear much of Floetry until probably the following year, heading into those next couple of years. But she was a songwriter and a singer as well before those actual, um, those Floetry days and wrote that with her Floetry partner, Natalie Stewart. So they wrote that song for Balao. So they, you know, you get into that, started like crossing into that genre neo soul where people start to you know collaborate with each other and you said it man um having the lyricist on here even just what with most deaf common and then jada all on this it's just like you crazy everything kind of fit but the producers that he had on here mm-hmm. not just aaron kamas but then having rafael sadiq I mean, we know like rafael can come on someone's album and can produce one song and that one song be a hit. Like, I don't think I've ever run into a Raphael Sadiq produced song, like a single song on an album that hasn't been a hit. Like, think about it. Think about it. How many songs has he produced on people's albums that hasn't been a hit? <laughs> and then to have the range of people from Megahertz to Dr. Dre to Jay Dilla all on this, all producing. And then even Dre and Vidal on the UR track with Marsha Ambrosius. My recollections on this are a little bit unique because this is right around my college time. Uh, we talked about it before, Damo. Around this time, Neo Soul was huge as a genre, yeah. as a subgenre. Neo Soul was huge. Everything from Erica Badu to D'Angelo to Jill Scott to Maxwell. And then you started getting into the fringes of some of these other, like, Neo soul artists that were starting to emerge during this time, the India Aries. You started seeing the flow of trees. You started seeing more and hearing more from Rashawn Patterson's. And then you see guys like a Bilal start to come out. So you would, the big thing about the Neo soul movement, what you had is that the heavy hitters came out and emerged, but then you started seeing these other waves of artists come along and you're starting to see and realize like, damn, these there's some talented folks out here. Like Neo Soul is the shit. It really is. Yeah, I think they they are the, the reason why we have Raheem Devon because mm. I think they birthed him. Exactly, and it's funny because when I was at Morgan, that's the first time I ever saw Raheem Devon because his manager was from Morgan and he was with a band called Urban <laughs> Ave Thirty One. So all that kind of melds into mm-hmm. my my memories of that time. So the first time I remember hearing Bilal was on the Sixth Sense song with Common. And also on Funky For You, which he did with Jill Scott as well. So I had heard Bilal and knew what his voice sounded like. But then as we go into college and Neo Soul becomes big, you hear like, okay, Soul Sister comes out as 
you know, this single and it's huge even back then because the people were into the head wraps and the essential oils and, you know, mm-hmm. body oils and incense and all that other shit. You know what I'm saying? Spoken word, poetry slams. Like, so that was sort of fitting into that whole atmosphere. The single soul sister was cool. And like you said, now I think it will probably be even just as big. But the thing that I knew that this dude was a problem is when Fastlane came out. And that mm-hmm. video came out because I'm like, well, this dude is just showing me that it's not just all strictly neo soul that he can do. Like he has the range to be able to do something even that sounds as hip hop as this. Like, and that beat by Dr. Dre, it just one, it sounds vintage Dre, but then that verse from Jada Kiss, and then on the video version, you got the different verse from Jada and also a verse from Dr. Dre, but it all kind of fit. Like I can remember being in the refect in the cafeteria at Morgan and we had this thing called CTV, which was college television. They used to show music videos on it all day long. And this is one of the ones that I remember seeing in the refect, especially during that summer of 01, right when this this album came out, because it was a memorable video. Not only that, but he was from Philly. So you had all these neo soul artists from Philly. You had him, you had music, mm-hmm. you had Jill Scott, you had Vivian Green eventually, all these folks from Philly. You had a lot of folks who already kind of knew things about Bilal. So when he was coming out, the folks who were in the neo soul scene in Philly were telling me like, oh, yeah, you know, Bull just, you know, he finally blowing up now. So all those are sort of like getting into my memories when I thought about that listening to this week. I didn't really listen to this album until maybe a year after it came out because I slept on it for such a long time. But when I heard it, I was blown away. Because you had a little bit of everything on here. You had the hip-hop sound of tracks. You had the ballads. You had the introspective tracks. You had things that were a little bit more up-tempo. You had things that seemed experimental in nature. But as you put everything together, it was just like, well, damn, why the hell? I didn't hear much, much more about this even back then. Then listening to it this past week, I'm like, oh, <laughs> Why haven't I pulled this out more over these last few years? Why did I wait until this week that I was actually reviewing this to pull this out? Like, it's almost like it was forgotten a little bit. And I think slept that... on a little bit. It was slept on a little bit. Yeah. And like, and, and like we just said in the beginning, like, <clears throat> that you had to be a real R&B lover to know this album right here. And, you know, my, like I said before, you know, all my cousins, they were singers for real. So when this joint came out... Psh- I mean, they probably played this joint two weeks straight for real. Yeah. I'm like, yo, damn, I'm tired of hearing Bilal now. <laughs> All right. So after that, I was like, I, I hopped in one cousin car. He was like, yo, can you put something else in? Yeah. And then go, go get my other cousin. He, I'm like, All right, okay. Then I'll get back to my first cousin car. He got it. I said, oh, shit, it's just. Because like, you haven't listened to this, I'm like, yeah, I listened to it enough. Yeah. <laughs> they, so, they were playing that joint out. Yeah, they played the hell out of that CD. So then, uh, so I always remember, but I was like, you know, and then, you know, after, you know, when it's a, we haven't got to that part, I guess I'll go ahead and start there. When it's a classic, you always want to go back to it. Mm-hmm. So every couple of years, I would throw in there. I'm like, hey, you know, because I go on my little run when I start listening to music mm-hmm. and Erica and the whole squad. Like, oh, you know, I'm in this mood right now. Let me throw this joint in and just vibe out. But, oh, let me go grab that. Man, I'm going to listen to Bilal in a minute. Let me throw that joint. 
I probably listen to like half, maybe about four or five songs, and then you know you get out the car, and I'm like getting another vibe and listening to something else. So this week was probably the first time I've listened to the whole album in probably about mm-hmm. six, seven years for real. And I was like, hold on, oh yeah, I might have forgot after about seven that this y'all still crank. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it's <laughs> it's we'll get into that like when we talk about our highlights, man. This album is very balanced, but then also what it does is it does what a lot of albums don't do is in that second half when you think things are gonna sort of tail down, it actually picks back up and. It really, the second half of this album, to me, I think really kind of helps to carry this album to a point where it borderlines to being from good to great and from great to you know what. So interesting that you mentioned that. You said that your cousins were singers. So the interesting thing about me, about nothing else about Bilal, he studied at the New School for Jazz and Contemporary Music in New York City, which is where he met most of the Soquarians, and he met also Robert Glasper as well. So his voice is very unique because like you said, he had one second, he has that falsetto and he can sing in that falsetto for an entire song. And then he carries it. And the next thing you know, he's able to go down low, right? Even down to lower tones and then even ride a song out into his lower or mid tones. And then he could do stuff like scat. <laughs> I mean, it does things like jazz and it can be R and B and it can be soul. So very, very versatile as a singer though. And you could tell that somebody who has been trained to sing in many different ways so yeah we'll actually go ahead and get into the highlights now man so you talked about it man you said about this song like this it goes just beyond even track number seven so give us an idea just some of your highlights when listening to this um we got all the singles you know fast lane love it so sister for you Mm. Reminisce. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. What the hell did Carmen say at the end of the jump? Hey, I forgot what he said at the end of the jump. But basically, you know, saying is, you know, shorty, just a memory now. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you, and when you, and when you go through those type of relationships, you're like, damn, I get exactly what the hell he said. Like, damn, reminisce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it hits all of us in a certain different way. Uh, exactly. Like, damn, and, you know what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you are. Mm-hmm. With Marsha. Yeah. Yeah. To me, I, I think the only Jones that I can really take out that I get it because, you know, the come here skit, I could have did without the skit for mm. real. Oh, yeah. But I got it, but I could have did without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like the, the album is grooving. The next thing you know, you just, psh, and they got the skit going on. You know, he's, you know, trying to get younger to come. I right, I get it. Yeah. But I could have did without it because I'm just grooving. Like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What the hell? What the hell is what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking like this on this long. Yeah, Man, what the hell? Get back to the music. <laughs> right, it's like when the DJ is jamming in the party, and all of a sudden the Bama record skipped or something like that, and it's just like, come on, man, get the music back on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man. To me, that's like the only low light. To me, is just that that skit just took out the took out the flow. Took the flow. The album as a whole. You know, I'm surprised you wasn't into it like that. You know, you, you know, you the recreational of what got I, I sprinter out of here. Yeah, I like that mm-hmm. back in your college years. Yeah, 
I'm surprised you ain't had this joke on cranking it like that with the vibe. Yeah, but you know, I think it to me, because like I think there was so much to choose from. Like if I was going to go to Neo Soul, I think I had a lot, like a number of different albums I would go to instead of going to this. Like, so I think somebody may have been playing this when I was in someone's room, you know, but I don't think I actually owned a copy of it on a, like somebody burned a copy of it, me on a CDR and I listened to it and had it in my collection until maybe a year after it came out, you know, because I think I was like, damn, you know what? I don't have this Bilal joint, but I think I played it a little bit. And then, you know, it's sort of like, Hey, if you're going to go Neo soul, you got a lot of different choices to go to, especially the heavy hitters. Like I said, and I actually mentioned yeah. something about that, you know, as we get a little bit later on. Um, so my highlights, I mean, I got to agree with you about the skit. The skit does interrupt uh, a little bit of the flow. But as soon as you get into it, right from into for you down into fast lane through reminisce. And then even the the tracks like like all that I am and and Sally, which mm-hmm. <laughs> is another Dr. Dre produced joint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, one of my favorite tracks on here, probably in my top two or three is Sometimes. And uh, that was a track lyrically, mm-hmm. even when you think about what he's talking about, you're like, yo, this is something that I could sort of relate to. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> The second half of the album, I think, really is when things sort of take off and like you get like where it elevates the rest of the album, like tracks one through eight are good. I mean, they're really good. But then when you get to tracks 10 through 17, you sort of get a different element. This is where you start to see the I would say the versatility of Bilal and then also all the writers and producers that he worked with to put this album together. When you get into this run right where you're like at. 11 through track number 16 so when you get those songs like when will you call and queen Mm -hmm. of sanity which to me is Mm -hmm. a amazingly amazingly beautiful Mm -hmm. song um the love poems uh you yeah that part of the album i think that's him i think the first part those first eight was all for the record company like that's Mm -hmm. there back so once he gave him those they're like oh yeah all right we can let him go do his thing and then he's like well, I ain't about to give y'all eight more of them jokes. I'm going to give you my shit. Yeah, yeah, I, I I do agree with you. I think that's definitely, that's a great point. The love poems, You Are, which features Marsha and Natalie. Mm-hmm. And then Home, which is like a very nice, like, you know, reggae-inspired track, which to me, I could listen to, like, listening to that joint, I'm thinking about vacation. You know what I mean? Like, a brother about to get married in Jamaica. My mind floated away to Jamaica real quick. Like, I'm... I'm there and, you know, getting ready for my wedding and honeymoon and um, slide is like almost like I felt like I was in a funk inspired sort of like being there with George Clinton and Funkadelic Bootsy Collins, like that sort of feeling on that track. You know what I mean? So like that run right there when you right after that skit, when you get into Soul Sister all the way down, even to the last track, which is Second Child, which um, is a really dark way to end this album. You know, but but it to me, I think that second child and fast lane sort of go together because the messages are so similar in regards to what's happening in both of those tracks. But really, that second half of the album, like I do have to agree with you there, Damo. I think that's the 
him sort of being like, okay, this is a chance I get to sort of flex my artistry. Let me go ahead and give you something that, you know, is going to be a true soulful experience. And that's really, really what I got from those songs in that second half of the album. First half of the album is exceptional as well. Mm -hmm. But we deal with this when we're on the vault and we talk about albums, man. And sometimes, you know, if you have some unevenness, that could take a uh, album that could be a certified classic and then put it on the it's a borderline or not a classic at all if you don't have that consistency throughout the album. It's almost like you're listening to two different albums. Like you said, the first half is sort of maybe, okay, Interscope is like, you know, let's give you some features. Let's get Jada Kiss on here. Let's get Most Def in Common on here. Let's have Dre produce another track for you on this. James Poison is going to produce something for you on this. And then the second half, you just keep that consistency, but it gives you a completely different vibe almost than what you heard in the first half of the album. Definitely, those are my highlights. Not really any lowlights at all. Other than that, it would be the skit. Because the skit was just like, I mean, if it had been like maybe 45 seconds long, I think I could have lived with it. But it goes on for two minutes. It's like, come on, man. Like, (laughs) like, come on. Mm -hmm. It does break up the flow. It's like I said, the DJ's DJing and then the record skips. And then that's 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 that, man. So as far as the highlights, man, so. I wanted to sort of get into this. Like we, we talked about how like I personally slept on this. A lot of folks slept on this, but we can even talk about how Bilal overall has been sort of slept on as an artist because this was just his first album. He's released five other albums and they all critically have been acclaimed since then, but we haven't really heard a whole lot about him. He's been touring a lot though. I've noticed even a few years ago, he was in D.C., and I think usually he comes to D.C., if not every year, like every other year. He was at City, City Winery, actually, back home uh, a couple of years ago, and I wanted to go see him. I couldn't make it out to go see the show, but I felt like he's kind of been slept on a little bit as well. Like, we we talk about, like, in that. He slept, yeah, 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 he slept overall, on because yeah. only this album I can see is the only one that was pushed to the mainstream. The rest of the album. Like, even when I was on it, I was like, dang, I didn't even know he had that many albums. Mm-hmm. When I was looking for this, I said, dang, he had an album came out three years ago. I said, dang, they don't be saying nothing about the guy. Yeah. Well, he's been put, he's been independent for now for a long time, which I think is something that like, works out in his favor. Because when you're independent, you have the ability to be able to sort of chart your own destiny and everything's on you. You know, you're going to have to pay for everything, but when you get the you know, the proceeds of everything, whether it's album sales, then you guess, guess what? Everything's coming to you. And in that respect, it's almost better than for you to go be independent and sell a hundred thousand, 150, 200,000 copies. than you be signed with a label and go platinum two and three times because you make more money as an independent artist when everything is you. So, um, but the love for sale album that came out, it will never really didn't even come out. It's actually now something of internet lore. He recorded it between 01 and 03, and it was leaked in the internet on 2006. It's actually his most acclaimed album because he had appearances on there. Uh, He collaborated heavily with Robert Glasper on that. Um, But he had also resistance from people like Dre and Jay Dilla, and he also uh, had a collaboration as well with Common on there. They had collaborated once again. So that is something that still hasn't come out, but the music is available on the internet. That has now become legend, that Love for Sale, because it was an album that was never officially released to the public. But all the Balao's fans will say that's his best album. So it's a shame that he's been as slept on because 
I almost say like when you talk about neo soul artists, I kind of he's right up there with with the D'Angelo's and Jills and Musics, you know, in my opinion, and Maxwell mm-hmm. because I even think he brings a versatility to himself that you only get from a D'Angelo or a Maxwell that you can get, especially vocally. There's a lot of things that he brings to the table that a lot of yeah. artists can't. So, yeah. so now we're gonna get to the test. Just a time to see what kind of classic it is. Is it a certified classic, borderline classic, classic just in this time, or not a classic at all? And a, a ranking of 7 to 10, 7, you don't feel as strongly about it, and a 10, you feel as strongly about it. So, Damo, what say you, man, about Balao's firstborn second? I'm going 10, certified classic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, like I say, you know, a classic to me is something you can go back to and listen to it through the time and it's 20 years now so yeah i've listened to it a whole rack of times at least once a year probably yeah. or once every two years and then the from beginning to end only the hookup hiccup to me is the skit yeah so yeah i'm strong on that yeah i'm gonna say certified classic as well i'm gonna give it a nine out of ten though I think it's, it doesn't change the fact to me, though. I think that even 20 years later, musically, it's still just as strong. Vocally, it's still just as strong. And I, I really think that this is something that we, the industry, kind of slept on for a while. And fan bases, I think, have really slept on this. And I think that there's an appreciation for this kind of music, even now in this today and age. And... Back then, we had a gem, and uh, when we talk now about neo-soul music and we're ranking these classic neo-soul albums that have come out, I mean, we've talked about the Brown Sugars, the Voodoos, the Mama's Guns, the Baduisms, the Light Words and Sounds Volume 1, the Just Listens. Um, I think you got to really put that in the same conversation as far as best neo-soul albums, the Acoustic Souls. You got to put this right here in the same conversation as those albums. It's just as good and as quality as an album as those are, so... Certified classic, 9 out of 10. Damo says certified, 10 out of 10, man. This is a dope album, man. Uh, for those of y'all who were around at that time but didn't pay attention to Bilal, make sure y'all at least go check it out, man. So Firstborn, second, 20 years old coming up this week. Make sure you'll check it out. You can get it anywhere where you can find music, man. Give it a spin. I know definitely when I restart my vinyl collection, this is going to be a sought-after item in my collection. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources. You can go in the bio of any one of our social media pages. You'll find our link tree there. You'll find all of our streaming sources and also all of our social media pages. You can always follow The Vault on Instagram on at Podcast on Twitter at Vault Classic. And on Facebook and YouTube, you can search us by searching the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. Like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with us on social media. Let us know that you're following and you're listening and what you think. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate, and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.